0: Post Nerdly's Rush Hour continues tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Please be here. We shall see you then. Bye.
1: W.A.B.C. Radio is proud to celebrate 100 years from October 1st, 1921 to music radio to talk radio's crown jewel worldwide and beyond. W.A.B.C. New York and W.L.I.R.F.M. Hampton Bays from around the world to around the block. This is a W.A.B.C. 77 second news update.
2: It's seventy seven WABC degrees and sunny at five o'clock, seventy seven WABC time check, sponsored by Boulevard Watchers. Good afternoon, I'm Bob Brown.
1: The top five
2: I don't effing care if they have weapons. President Trump responding after he heard protesters at the Capitol on January 6th had weapons. White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson testifying today she heard Trump demanded protesters not be screened, saying they're not here to hurt me. Mayor Adams suggested former mayor and 77 WBC radio host Rudy Giuliani falsely reported a crime, and the Staten Island prosecutor probing probing assault charges against the guy should focus on former mayor. Mayor firing back on his show, pointing out crime is going up worse than de Blasio and that Adams should, quote, keep his mouth shut. Republicans and Democrats casting votes in New York's gubernatorial primary race. Hochul is hoping to become the first woman to win election to New York's governor's office this fall. But first, she needs to overcome challenges from public advocate Jamani Williams and U.S. Representative Tom Suozzi, Lee Zeldin, Andrew Giuliani, Harry Wilson, and Rob Astorino seeking the Republican nod. Ghislaine Maxwell is sentenced to 20 years in prison for helping the wealthy financier Jeffrey Epstein sexually abuse teenage girls. And Wall Street taking a hit today; stocks down nearly 500 points. And Nasdaq down over 340. Cats at night. Up next on 77 WABC. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center tonight: partly cloudy. Lows in the mid 60s. Wednesday sunny. High near 85. Sunny outside the Midtown Studios, 77 WC Time Check, 502, sponsored by Boulevard Watches. Discover finely crafted timepieces available at Macy's. I'm Bob Brown, traffic and transit next. Remember the news never stops at wabcradio.com. WABC, traffic and transit. GWB inbound, upper okay, lower okay, outbound, heavy Lincoln inbound, 10 to 15, outbound 20 to 30, Holland inbound okay for the turnpike, 15 to 20 from Route 109, outbound 20 to 30-minute delays. Ultimate side parking rules are in effect for today. And I'm Bob Brown with your 77 WABC traffic and transit update.
3: He's involved in a number of businesses.
1: He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katzimatides.
0: This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. And we got a great show for you today. The, the number one show at 5 o'clock. We're at TriCast. We're on WABC 770 on your dial. And WABCradio.com nine seventy. The Answer, and WLIR in Long Island. And in the studio with us, we have one common-sense Democrat. We have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, two common-sense Republicans, which you'll never find on a Friday. That's true. Uh, we <laughs> have the Craig beach. Eaton, a chairman, former Chairman Craig Eaton of Brooklyn, and a great attorney. And the chief. How chief, are you, John? I will be on the beach this Friday, Giuliani, yes. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, well, I wonder what you're going to be doing tonight. Are you going to the uh, big party? Uh, I for voted. Andrew? I
4: voted for Andrew today, and I'll go see him. Hopefully, he wins tonight.
0: Well, you never know what happens. You know, I think it's going to be a tight race. And Lydia, what do you think? I, I don't
5: know because, like Craig Eaton and I, we were talking about earlier. You got Zeldin, who's going to be the powerhouse in Nassau and well, Suffolk. The Democrat. Democratic Party Hochul. Got it. Yeah, yes, that's, that's,
0: that's going to awesome. be a, I, uh, a runaway race. I said nice things about that uh, one Democratic lieutenant governor uh, that used to be deputy borough president in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And you never know because she was a real common sense, yes. and she had uh, and she wanted uh, law and order. That's right. Now the Republican Party, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, let me tell you something. I I I met with Harry Wilson, and he's one smart guy. He's a smart guy. Uh, I think uh, uh, Andrew Giuliani is full of uh, piss and vinegar. And he's,
4: and he's got good he's got genes. Smart. Yeah. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. And uh, Lee Zeldin is is a good guy, too. Asterino, I really don't know much.
6: Asterino's a, a great guy. He I know, did Rob, well Robert's for Westchester. He did he well kept for Westchester. And, and look at the debates. I think he did very well. He was like the adult in the room at the debates. I think he did a great job. But you know what? Um, I voted today on my way here. I voted at 3 o'clock in the busiest... Poll site in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, and there were crickets. There were four poll tables, um, two poll workers at each table, and one voter—me. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I
4: live on the Upper East Side. There's no Republicans, it's, so. It's, but you know, I, Bay right,
5: Ridge right, is, well, you, I, I
0: understand we have the Attorney General of uh, uh, of Texas on. Uh, Lydia, introduce him, please.
5: We have with us uh, Ken Paxton. He's the 51st Attorney General of Texas since 2015, and. He's a great guy. He's always comes back here on uh, Cats at Night. There was that tragedy that occurred in Texas, Attorney General, with the 50 migrants who who were killed, who died in that hot 18-wheeler. Do you have any update for us on how this tragedy could be prevented from happening again?
7: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's certainly a, a terrible event. It's not the first time this has happened. It's not the second time it's happened. It's not going to be the last time it's, ha- it's happened it it could be prevented for the most part if the Biden administration would enforce federal law on the border and stop a, inviting a, a massive number of illegal immigrants to come across the border and encouraging the cartels um, basically in a, a a partnership with the cartels to get as many illegals here as, as possible and the trade off is obviously a much higher incidence of overdoses because we have a lot more fentanyl coming in because border patrol can't stop it because they're busy doing they're busy doing the handoff from the cartels. And then we have just we have more tragedies like this. And the Biden administration knows, and expects this to happen. And they're willing to make the tradeoff of losing some Americans, losing some immigrants if they can get more illegals in the country. That's just a fact.
4: Mr. Attorney General, Tony Carbonetti. Um, so did this truck cross the border with these with these people in it?
7: Uh, I doubt it. My guess is that they were smuggled in and then they were put in the truck. I don't actually know if that's the case, but my guess is they typically don't put them in a truck and bring them across the border. It's not a very effective way of getting people across. They typically bring them across. They pick them up at different locations uh, close to the border, and then they ship them around the, the country. And usually, you know, I mean, for the most part, most illegals just come to the border. They're, I mean, the cartels are directed by the federal government. Just bring them to us. We'll we'll deliver We'll take the handoff, and we'll take them all over the country. We won't tell the American people where where they're going, but we'll take them. The only people that have to do it this way are people that typically have criminal backgrounds that even the Biden administration won't let go, because now the Biden administration is being forced to deport criminals because Texas won a case against them. Before that, a lot of these people would just say, you know, we've got a criminal record, and the Biden administration would still allow them to stay. We've at least stopped the criminals from uh, being accepted by the Biden administration.
4: Do you routinely stop, make truck stops and find individuals 20, 30, 40 in trucks?
0: Wow would that does be that, the, border that, patrol, that, the border patrol? No, no,
4: because he, he's saying it? this happened afterwards. They, they didn't yeah. cross the border. Yeah. They round them up, yeah. and then they shipped them somewhere else. There
6: were Mexicans, I mean, Guatemalans, and Hondurans.
5: It, it is. They were crying for help. It looks like the driver just abandoned them in the middle of nowhere and among the dead are children. Wow! And uh, fifty died, oh. and dozens more in the we, hospital. We have to
6: do better. This country has to do better
7: than that. Why did he no, do this that? Is, Why this actually this is actually the, the, this is actually the plan. This is the way it's it's being set up. There's. This is just collateral damage in the in the Biden administration plan to get two and a half million people there. So, there's n- nothing's going to change because of this. I mean, it, you know, we just had a, a shooting in Texas where, you know, 20 I think it's 23 people died, and there was an outcry, outcry, and we they ended up passing gun legislation. But when this happens, the Biden administration, there's not an outcry from the Democrats. There's not an outcry from really much of anybody. The, the, the pattern continues on. There's no effort by Congress to change anything. There's no effort by the, the Biden administration. They don't even really comment on it. They just say, you know, this is the way it is. But, but you and, see, and that, That's what's amazing.
6: I think there's a bigger plan. This is Craig Eaton, Attorney General Paxton. I think there's a bigger plan. I think it's bring in as many people that you can and then let them vote in the elections. Now, in New York, we just won a big case here in New York where locals, non-citizen locals cannot vote in local elections anymore. And that's great, but I think around the country, they're still allowing them to vote.
7: Well, and the plan is for the Biden administration, look, they're going to be pushing when they get the right mix of Congress. The goal is to get as many people in here, say, hey, look, they're here. They're not going anywhere. We, you know, they had kids here now and they've got jobs here. Everything's good. Let's just give them their citizenship. Let's give them the amnesty. That's the plan. And once they do that, they're planning most of these people in Republican states and Their hope is that they can control... uh, This is an invasion
8: of of our country. Mr. Turner it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, sir, the the issue will vary in terms of the right to vote of of, uh, non-citizen votes in these municipal elections state by state, depending on what the state constitution says. And that's the problem. And they're flooding certain major geographic areas with these illegal immigrants. And if the local jurisdiction... Passes the law and gives them the right to vote. They will control the destiny of those cities, thereby diluting the power and the authority of the citizens to determine their own destiny.
6: And judge in some jurisdictions, they want to let you sign up to vote in the morning, and then you could vote or vote at the webs at the polling site.
5: But the Attorney General Paxton, you made such an excellent point. Where is the outcry? The Uvalde shooting. There was a national, worldwide outcry for what happened there, and yet fifty lives lost. Are their lives not matter. I, I, You know, I mean, so that was such a horrific way to die. I can't even imagine it. Among them, children, we, we have to do better.
8: Well, the, the Attorney General oh, pointed out yeah. something correctly. This has happened before, a number of times before, and God forbid it's going to happen again. As long as you have this open-door policy where you say, come on down, it's okay, just jump in, into our country with no orderly process, no legal process, this will continue. What can we do, Mr. Attorney General?
7: Look, we we've got we've got to send a message for elections. If, you know, if for we may not have forever to do this because as they're it's a pretty good strategy. They're moving people into even in my state, they're moving into the liberal counties. Uh, these local DAs are not going to enforce any kind of election laws. I I was just our court of criminal appeals just struck down a 71-year statute that that they, that authorized me through the legislature and through the constitution to prosecute voter fraud. So now. It's supposedly in the hand of, hands of some of these Soros-funded DAs, and if they if they bring people in from other countries, they vote. Who's going to prosecute them? So, I mean, this is a, a massive strategy strategy to take over the country and and make, basically make it a one-party country where a few people get to decide how things are going to be for all of us, and you know, the Constitution, the First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment—they're all at risk.
0: Now you're you're a real smart guy. Who is behind this? Is it the Chinese?
7: Um, you know, I don't I, look. I think the Chinese are friendly with the Biden administration. I think they were friendly with yeah, the but, Obama but, administration.
0: But, but it has nothing to do with friendliness. It's is it, it, you smile and you stab somebody in the back. What's the you know? What what is the look, I, what, what I, was that uh, the, 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 the the Chinese art of war Sun Tzu. Huh? Sun Shu. Sun Shu. 2,000 years ago, the Chinese art of war. And what does it say? It say Defeat your enemy without him knowing you're even fighting.
7: Well, here's what I'd say. We, we've we elected a leadership. And look, I don't think that Joe Biden is totally there. I think that the, the people behind the scenes, whether it's Obama or people familiar, you know, that are close to Obama, They're running the show, and and they don't like this country. And you can tell by everything that's happened, whether it's inflation, whether it's energy, whether it's Afghanistan, whether it's the border, whether it's the war in uh, Russia. America is losing.
0: America is losing. Somebody else is winning.
7: Yeah, absolutely. On every single front in a very quick period of time, you can't do this unless you're trying. You can't make all these bad things happen all at once unless you're really trying. You can't. This is no accident. They are literally leading the country down a path of destruction and they're doing it as fast and furious as they can and they they give lip service to talk about immigration or any of these issues but they the the fact that that it's this bad this quick when you look at the numbers under the trump administration whether you look at the numbers for gas prices or inflation whether you look at you look at the border you look at what happened we're in deep all a hundred percent worse
0: we're in deep crap uh i have to take a break but ken paxton thank you so much and Coming in, thank you for what you do for all Americans, not just for Texans. And next time, we're going to play a a Texas song when you come on.
7: That's awesome. I appreciate that. Y'all have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye.
5: And now we have on the line with us Professor Alan Dershowitz, just a couple of decades at Harvard Law. He's a constitutional scholar and expert. Professor Dershowitz, I'm sure you were watching that hearing today. I want to tell everybody what this woman, Cassidy Hutchinson, claims. This is what she's claiming. She says that the president Trump, then President Trump said, take me to the Capitol now. And she claims when they wouldn't, Trump lunged at the wheel and tried to take it over. I mean, have you ever heard such hyperbole? And where is this woman coming from two years after the fact?
9: Well, it just sounds like she's uh, preparing a television drama like House of Cards. Uh, First of all, totally irrelevant. Let's assume it's true. Let's assume that the the President Trump wanted to keep his promise to the people he spoke to when he said, I will join you in front of the Capitol. Let's assume that's true. And let's assume that the Secret Service said, no, no, we're not taking you there. And the president said, hey, I'm the boss. Uh, I'm the one who makes the decision. I'm going to the Capitol. Let's assume that's all true. That's just television. It's just drama. It's just,
0: you know... The no chances drama. of it that's being true is like one-tenth to one percent.
9: Yeah, but even if it is, that's the point. It's only in order to paint the uh, President Trump in a, in a negative way. But it, it bears no relationship on any of the things that the uh, January 6th Committee is supposed to be doing. Uh, if the president was on his way to the Capitol... Uh, He said he was going to the Capitol. Democrats have criticized him for breaking his promise and not going to the Capitol. Now they're criticizing him for uh, allegedly, according to this one person, keeping his promise and wanting to go to the Capitol. He can't do anything right. You know that. When the Democrats control the show, they're going to control the narrative.
0: It's, uh, It's similar to what they did to Judge Kavanaugh. That woman couldn't uh, couldn't remember where she met him, where she had uh, sex with him, or where she, etc. <laughs> Believe but, me, I
9: I know that I know that phenomenon but well. But the best
0: one who can't remember the best and, one and they, the best get. one was Elon Musk's answer <laughs> when that girl uh, t- uh, uh, flight attendant the said, flight attendant says you took your clothes off, you were going to do X Y Z he says. Well, why don't you describe uh, what, what, I my, like. my, what I look like, what I look like, my yeah. uh, p- private parts look like.
5: Uh, and you never uh, heard anything again.
9: <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah.
5: Well, Trump said he doesn't know who this woman is. Rudy Giuliani says he doesn't know who this woman is. She was, what, 23 at the time. She was an aide to Mark Meadows. Why is this coming out of nowhere? She they They put this hearing on today saying she was in fear for her life. This sounds all too, it does sound like it's a lifetime movie. Very, very fanciful.
4: The problem is, and this is Tony Carbonetti, there's, there's no one to question her. That's the, the, the big point. mistake That's that McCarthy point. made was that not appointing anyone. That, that There's no rebuttal. It's, it's, it's well, not a hearing. Makes... It's a TV show.
5: The hearsay. I'm not a lawyer. I mean, a even charade. I know, even I know what she is claiming is hearsay, and it would not be admissible in a court. Correct, Professor Dershowitz? Well,
9: Well, nothing is admissible if it's not subject to cross-examination. Cross-examination is essential in our Constitution. It's the greatest engine of truth ever invented, according to uh, Blackstone. And uh, the Democrats have deliberately distorted the hearing to avoid any possibility of confrontation, cross-examination, or presenting opposing points of view. Nobody should take seriously anything stated at that hearing. The definition of a witness under the law is somebody who swears under oath and is then subject to cross-examination. These people aren't witnesses. They're narrators. They're fiction writers. They're people who want to have their say, but if they're not subject to cross-examination, they're not witnesses. They're not real witnesses, and the Democrats created a scenario where you wouldn't have any witnesses in front of this committee, anybody who's subject to cross-examination or even being asked a hard question.
8: Alan, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Related to that is the search warrants that were just executed against a couple of Professor Eastman and Clark, who was a part of the Justice Department at the time. And the search warrants were given to the Inspector General of the Department of Justice. Will you please explain to me how the Inspector General of the Department of Justice has the ability to get search warrants against these people?
9: Well, first of all, the Inspector General of the Justice Department generally does not have the ability to get search warrants. You have to go to a court to get.
8: Well, I know, they, but the application comes from from them. But that's well, not the responsibility yeah, well, of the Inspector General. It's
9: not their responsibility. It's the responsibility of prosecutors in the in the office. But I suspect that if it comes from the Justice Department at all, it has uh, cover and it has the imprimatur of of the law. But you know, you have to look very hard. At, uh, at, at why are these people having these search warrants issued at this time and whether the search warrants are, are, are legitimate law enforcement activities, whether they're uh, designed to uh, show a crime. I mean, that all will be litigated at the proper time.
6: You know, what? it's, it, it's clear to me, this is Craig Eaton, Professor. This is a carefully scripted hearing for TV um, just to, to sway public opinion.
9: There's no question. Look, it was a surprise hearing. It wasn't even scheduled. Uh, Suddenly, this witness comes forward. I can understand. She's 23 years old. Um, She's been criticized. Look at how much I was criticized for defending the president on the floor of the Senate. She's 23 years old, and she doesn't want to ruin her career. So she wants to be perceived as somebody who is now on the right side. And that's the way CNN has presented her as a hero as the new John Dean, as somebody who was inside and is now telling the truth. But John Dean
10: was subject to
9: cross-examination, and everybody else who appeared and testified uh, generally throughout our history has been subject to cross-examination. This is unique. Uh, It goes back to the Salem witch trials, and it goes back to the McCarthy period, where people were just uh, presented and accepted as, as gospel, without any opportunity to present an opposing narrative. Look, everybody's at fault here. Pelosi is at fault for having turned down uh, some of the people who were recommended for the committee. Then the Republicans acted foolishly by not putting at least three or four real Republicans on the committee who could ask questions. And now I think the public is stuck with a show. Uh, Look, the Republicans were also wrong in the beginning for not accepting a commission like the 9-11 commission, comprised of experts, comprised of nonpartisan people who could have really gotten to the bottom of all of this. And the American people would have believed it as they believed 9-11. But the combination of everybody looking for their short-term interest and in political gains has resulted in show instead of truth.
8: And also, it's a follow-up to the two uh, impeachment proceedings where there was no credibility.
9: Yeah, and of course, in the impeachment proceedings, you don't have to allow cross-examination because the impeachment itself is only... A, an indictment and indictments don't require cross examinations, but the trials themselves should permit for any witness to be cross examined. But of course, in the impeachments, witnesses were not called, so it was just done on purely kind of legal grounds. But uh, they were also, I, I believe, shams and 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 not particularly uh, consistent with what the Constitution requires.
5: Professor Dershowitz, one last question. Nancy Pelosi, she's claiming that she can codify abortion. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is claiming that she wants to put up tents in national parks so women can go get abortions there. Uh, Can they overrule the Supreme Court? Is this even legislatively possible, what they are proposing? The Vice President Kamala Harris said they're also looking into this. Well,
9: that's going to be the real question for the future. If Congress were to pass a statute saying that the Commerce Clause Uh, permits Congress to legislate because people cross state lines in order to have abortions, that would go up to the Supreme Court. The issue of whether you could have acts that are illegal in the state, legal in the the national parks or in army bases or on Indian reservations, those are very, very complicated and and difficult issues. They arose in the context also of, of drugs. They arose in the context of segregation back in the early days. So it has a history, and there's no definitive answer to those questions. And I don't blame the Warrens and the Pelosi's for trying, but ultimately it's going to come back to the same Supreme Court which rendered the Dobbs decision. So do it remains to be seen Do think the American decide.
0: people are that stupid they just believe all this crap?
9: I think they do. Well, remember, 65 60% of Americans, according to yeah. a poll yesterday, uh, support uh, a, a woman's right to have abortion, at least at some stage. And are opposed to the Dobbs decision. So, you know, they may believe that they have the American public on their side. And, yeah. and that may exactly be right. And it may come back to hurt the, the Republicans in the midterm elections. Uh, I, I always thought that a be woman, woman has it. to make
0: her own decision with a doctor and a family. Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, Professor Dershowitz, thank you so much. You, uh, God bless oh, you and God loves you. You know that.
9: Uh, thank you so much. Be well. Take we're going to take Bye. a
0: break. And when we come back, we're going to have Hank Schenkoff, uh, one of the greatest uh, analysts uh, of elections uh, in our century. And um, we'll find out what the heck is going on today. Today is inauguration, not inauguration. Day. Today is primary, primary, primary day. election day. Primary day. And let's take that break.
1: Go ahead. Make my day guests great conversation and the truth giving you both sides of the story he's a great role model when he does get involved he's all in john Katz and cats at night on 77 wabc
5: welcome back to the john katsimatidis cats at night show before we get to hank Schenkoff to talk about the primaries here in new york we we'll also want to remind our listeners we're going to have bert flickinger he is an expert when it comes to inflation shrinkflation so you want to Pay close attention to what Burt Flickinger has to say. We'll also be speaking with Hannah Myers, who works for the Manhattan Institute. And she's going to be talking to us about the mass exodus at the DA offices here in New York City. But first on the line, we have political analyst extraordinaire Hank Schenkoff. Hank Schenkoff, uh, what is going on at the polls? It seems like the turnout has been pretty abysmal. And what does that usually mean when it comes to who wins in the end?
10: Well, the turnout is abysmal. The uh, early voting was abysmal. Everything that was put in place to help people vote was abysmal. The only thing that worked is that democracy was forestalled because people tend to uh, vote in a particular fashion. In other words, voting is a learned behavior. People turn out at the same time, at the same place, to do the same thing. There's a social aspect to it. And if you change the dates and you have confusion and chaos and you have new lines and you have all these other kinds of things, People tend to uh, be very disoriented and turn out in lower numbers, and they conv- then become convinced that their votes don't matter. And what it generally means is that incumbents tend to prevail badly in some cases, um, and um, people with more ideological bents tend to prevail. Why? Because they have the capacity and desire to turn out in greater numbers, and to them, voting is part of their religion.
4: Hank, it's Tony Carbonetti. I hey, tend- Tony, what's going on? All is good, thank you. I, I tend Thanks. to agree with you. Except in these Democratic primaries, where it seems the progressives have done what you just said—they they rely on the incumbents being lazy and getting the same six thousand votes for the last twenty years. They go out and they target ten thousand people, and they've been wiping out some of these long-term Dems. Well, we,
10: we tend to agree, we really aren't with What I'm saying is, the more ideologically um, the more ideologically um, intense voters tend to turn out. And in these cases, who are the more ideologically intense voters? Uh, People who are the democratic, Socialists of America people, people that want to defund cops, people who want to uh, disrupt the economic system, uh, who think that the city isn't spending enough on things that uh, besides those things that bring tourists and and income into the city. You know, those people and they're going to they should do better than we think, frankly. But this is under under these kinds of circumstances.
6: Hank, this is Craig Eaton. I, I voted on my way here today. And there were four poll workers, four tables, and I was the only voter there at 3.30 at the at the site in Bay Ridge that's the most crowded at every election.
5: And Craig Eaton, I just want to bring up a point of what you said earlier yeah. regarding primaries because it's gotten pretty ugly between the yeah. candidates. What it, what was your idea?
6: You know, my concept – when I was the chairman – I was the chairman five years ago and I was there for 10 years. I always said that it, it's so dangerous for the Republican Party to have primaries in mayoral or – or gubernatorial races because we bloody each other. We have to go far right to get the conservative Republican vote to win the primary, and then when it comes to the general so election, right whoever win. wins, it's too late because you can't you can't come off your positions at that point. And I, I used to Absolutely. talk to Chairman Cox all the time and say, you know, we should we should outlaw primaries in 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 the mayoral or gubernatorial races. Obviously, you can't, but how can we win if if we go far right and then when in the general election we. You know, because now no you're, you're
5: alienating moderates you're alienating, and independent exactly. mo- and independent voters. You
6: have to be a moderate Republican to win in the city or state today.
10: That's true. George Pataki is the model. You yes. know, Craig is entirely right. What happened? Uh, you can guarantee during the last Republican gubernatorial debate, the Democrats were were filming,
7: mm-hmm.
10: grabbing whatever they. It's could a commercial. They're gonna Wait and see the that come out of that, moving the Republicans all the way over to the right in the general election. And the the problem is again. In primaries, more ideological voters tend to turn out. Hank, it's, so uh, it's
8: it's Richard Weinberg. Do you have any predictions for today?
10: Yeah, I mean, uh, I predict it'll be an, the rest of the day will be very sunny and nice. nice. <laughs> I
8: that, uh, okay. Other than I that, light is, anything is else? followed by darkness. It is,
10: it is very hard to defeat an incumbent of any kind, um, and in the uh, case of the, uh, near, of the New York State Governor, it's very hard to defeat the governor. I mean. People have tried to defeat governors in primaries before, let's see, in our lifetimes, twice, I think, in the last, um, let's see, 40 years, about that, both unsuccessful. Um, Let's see what else you got. She's really spent an awful lot of money and uh, run a a campaign that used all the resources available to her, um, as anybody smartly would do. She's one tough poll. let me tell you something. Anybody who underestimates Kathy Hochul is just plain dumb. She's one tough cookie, as they like to say. And what about the lieutenant um, so governor's race for the I think lieutenant governor, think lieutenant governor is, is interesting. It depends what the whether the DSA, the Democratic Socialist of America people, um, who they turn out and what they have. This is a test of their capacity to turn people out. Now, they know they're not going to help Giovanni Williams win at all. He's done. And he's done his the clarion of the left, frankly, his abysmal performance. But can they pull off a lieutenant governor race? They nearly did. Four years ago, remember, there was a guy named Jumani Williams that nearly won it. Yeah. Um, so uh, if they turn them out, uh, that could be an upset. On the Republican side, I think that Zeldin will win. Why Nassau and Suffolk County turnouts? And they're, particularly Nassau, where.
0: It's going to come down to turnout. You're right. What about.
10: Absolutely, turnout.
4: Today, is today the race for the idiot the de Blasio's so he get to run today? Or they put that off? No, today?
6: that's August. That's they Today's just the assembly and the... And no, the, and the well,
0: there's yeah. a lot of assembly people running yeah. that were AOC yep. candidates. That's right. Those are the ones and I told you might people, get knocked out. And a lot of people that Michael Nussbaum went after, a lot of people went after the socialists, the AOC socialists. What is going to happen with that? Well, the light, oh, the light the right
10: turnouts. It hurts us. Do I think they win? If if they turn out their people, they win. Do they have a higher emotional uh, and uh, commitment to turning out? The answer is yes. Yes. And and will they, if they do that, will they, will they win? The answer is yes. Look at what they've been doing over the years.
4: Right. They can target
10: enough
8: on social media. And the impact on that in the state legislative process is going to be enormously negative, but they have a ground game. They have boots on the ground. That's the problem. Yes.
6: They
10: will – look, the New York Times had a very important story today, I think, on the uh, number of wealthy people that have left. Uh, you ain't seen nothing yet if they control – if they get more control over the legislature. And what it's, what I think is happening is very much akin to 1975. If you read the history of the fiscal crisis, when the people in power said, oh, no, no one's leaving. They'll stay. They have to stay here. But the facts are no one has to stay here anymore. That's correct. And there's no reason for corporations to stay here. There's no reason for individuals with money to stay here. And then the question becomes, who's going to pay for the dreams that the socials
4: have? You know, Hank, I always say it's not someone can quantify the dollars and taxes that we lose. But the philanthropy of those people, it's the, the billion dollars Ken Langone raised to create NYU, make NYU Hospital as great as it is today. The hundreds of millions that's been put into the Central Park Conservancy and the museums, that money's all gone. That's not in anyone's that's budget. true. You know, That's
10: entirely true. That's why I don't think people get the point. You understand it very well, and you're entirely right. They also somehow believe the hospitals exist through some other thing than philanthropy, and they don't. They don't. Um, you know, they don't. It's philanthropy that keeps our hospitals, as you note, know, and our cultural institutions going. We lose the people who pay the fare, who, pay the, who carry the freight. Who's going to take care of it? But if the DSA candidates do very well today, it'll be a signal uh, that it's time for many people to leave.
6: Yeah, but the Republican – this is correct. The Republican Party in New York City needs to do a better job because what's going to happen is the socialist candidates in the Democratic Party are going to win the primary and then they're going to run against the Republican candidate for the state senate or the assembly and, and the same thing's going to happen. We're going to wind up with 5 to 10 percent. I mean we have to get the message out to the people that you need to vote. I mean 17 percent of the people voted for de Blasio in his first race. And now no one showed up today. You can't complain no. about who's getting
0: elected so if you, know you don't go out and vote. know why we to Rudy beat me in the primary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Otherwise, it would have been me against the Blasio. And,
5: you never know what
0: been could have happened. You an, never know what happened. I,
5: I know. That's,
4: oh. that's, that's, yeah. Joe
0: Loda had no money. Nice guy. Had oh. no money. And no steam. And if it was me against the Blasio... People still believed I was a Democrat at that time, and uh, wow. you know I have a lot yeah. of Democratic friends.
6: John, I was your chairman at that time. I, I was, the, I was the the only you know one what? left, and, and we worked on that race. And John said between the primary and the general election, he was going to put five to seven million dollars in the race. I put
0: twelve in already at the time.
6: But but you were going to put five to seven more yeah. in between the primary and the general election, and you would have crushed De Blasio, crushed.
4: I'm hiding well, under the desk. I, yeah. yeah,
6: as you should, yeah. and, <laughs> as you as should. Tony, <laughs> you know
0: there was one voting booth. We lost 73 to nothing. I have that voting day, in my house. So yes, yes, this day, you Tony Corbinetti hasn't told me how possible, how is it possible I lose 73 to nothing on that voting Judge, can we subpoena
6: those records? Or is Absolutely. It too late? Let's well, subpoena Eddie, you're about to that. That. I'll, do, I'll do it for nothing, John. I'll, I'll put Give me your
10: cell phone. You can't have a real party if you don't have real turnouts so you don't have real mechanisms and you don't have real people who are prepared to take on the opposition. And uh, that's a problem. And we don't have that in New York York State, and certainly in New York City the way we should. Um, And it's just this idea that you can somehow have one-party function. Um, And what you see is that when you have one-party dominance, you tend to have factualism. It's political science 101. And that's what's happening within the Democrats, which is why you have the Democratic Socialists. They're a faction of Democrats because you you have this one-party control. Now, there was a big battle in
0: Brooklyn, I was told. Uh, in the in the Democratic Party, that the, the Brooklyn, the woke culture people, the AOC types, were trying to take over the party in Brooklyn. Any predictions on that?
10: Oh, look, they're going to have to work very hard. I think that uh, that uh, that the chairwoman uh, Rodney's uh, shot will prevail, but uh, that's a long-term battle, and they this is very much akin to what the reformers and regular Democrats went through in the 60s and 50s and even 70s um, to take over the party mechanisms. And if it's working so well, look at Manhattan. What kind of political party do you have in Manhattan that has the capacity to get anything done?
6: Yeah, but I think in Brooklyn, too. I think, you know, um, Eric Adams was the borough president in Brooklyn and has some really good friends in the Brooklyn Democratic Party. There's a war going on in Brooklyn. We'll know tomorrow morning what happened. But but I think think we'll we'll be okay in Brooklyn. I I really uh, do.
0: And, and, uh, Hank, I understand Dominic Carter has a special show, uh, election special, starting at 8 o'clock tonight, and you should call Dominic and be on with him.
10: Well, I think he called me and wants me to be there. And I, I must tell you, John, I'm always flattered when uh, when anyone at your wonderful station calls me and asks me to appear. Well, thank and you so much. I will so be much. there with Dominic tonight. I'm thank grateful you. to you.
0: Uh, we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to find out how much you're going to pay for your chicken and your beef and, and your filet mignon. And your Oreos. And my Oreos. Oreos, The cream filling in my Oreos. Is like, we're going to I have think. the consumer expert. Uh, W.A.B.C. and worldwide. Bert Flickinger. let's take a break for you. you talk,
1: we listen. This is Talk Radio 77 W.A.B.C. The headlines, the truth, the newsmakers.
5: Katsimatidis rub shoulders with some of the most powerful people in the world.
1: John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 W.A.B.C.
5: Welcome back to the John Cat's Matidis Cats Katz at Night Show. Your fourth of July cookout is going to cost you a lot more money. Looks like costs are up seventeen percent. I also saw another study that over eighty percent of Americans are being affected by this bite inflation and they'll they're shelling out at least another five hundred dollars a month because of everything going on. On the line with us right now is Bert Flickinger. He is our consumer expert telling us when to get those Oreos or not. Is there help on the way? What should we do? Bert Flickinger.
11: Uh, Lydia, there's no h- help on the way. As Jeff Dunlop and Larry Summers have calculated inflation is uh, over 13 percent, not the 8 percent governments said. And as, as you referenced so well, Lydia, the average American only has uh, $400 for an emergency. So how is he or she going to save another $500? Every month, for increasing inflation, uh, footing to an annual inflation increase of $6,000 more to live in 2022 than live in 2021.
8: Bert, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. What happens when people start losing money in their 401ks, in the stock market, the value of the house goes down? What does that do to consumer confidence?
11: Uh, judge, it kills consumer confidence. And as you, John, and Lydia are uh, good friends of organized neighbors, we all are. The union uh, pension plans are as uh, deeply underfunded as possible. So uh, the unionized employers and the union workers uh, and and, uh, people who are non-union members have all had their uh, life savings eviscerated. So that's going to add another uh, three to five cents to inflation uh, with unionized employers having to uh, get the pension plans out of the red zone or the failing zone and uh, people cutting back because uh, they have to uh, have to spend less, work more, and uh, work many more years. And, uh, Judge, we're in the deepest uh, recession this country's seen in 14 years, and we're on the verge of the worst recession we've had in over 50 years.
5: John Katsvatidis, I wanted to ask you a question. So you were on Fox a Business, Fox News. I can't keep track of all your TV appearances, John. And you were asked by Varney, I believe, is it just No, that I was e- on
0: this morning and I was asked by
5: uh, Degnan McDonald, McDonald, McDonald. They were saying is it just that easy to turn McDonald. on the spigot? But you explained it so beautifully about how It sends a message to the markets. And by the way, the French president, Macron, he was at the G7 summit with Biden and he walked up to him. And the mics actually picked it up a little bit of their conversation. And he told Biden, you know, stop asking Saudi Arabia and OPEC for more money. They're tapped out. And then one of uh, Biden's top aides. Yeah, for more more oil. oil. And then one of Biden's top aides was like, hey, hey, watch out the cameras. But you see like the French president. It's like they know they're tapped out. I was so on Maria yes. Bartiromo
0: show this morning with Degnan, Mc, Degnan and McDowell, is a great lady, and I made an announcement that made breaking news. Mm-hmm. The announcement was we have reached peak oil. In other words, we reached one twenty five, one thirty. Right now, it's one ten, one twelve, whatever, and it's not going higher. So that means over the time being, over the next uh, few months inflation rate will decline. It's still catching up from the old, from the last few months, but it will decline. And I put uh, Chairman Powell on notice, and I said to him, "I said to him, don't raise interest rates to the degree where you're going to put the real estate business out of business in our country and the rest of the country out of business. So the interest rates, the the inflation rate will decline." It's it's still going up in the food industry, like Bert says, but we've reached peak oil uh, and there's a plan. And I'm working with the Canadian government and there's a plan to bring in more Canadian oil, but we have to get President Biden and the White House to go along with it.
5: That's breaking news. We should have hit the breaking news buzzer. Wait, and, what's, <laughs> and what's the likelihood
8: that this administration will go along with it?
0: Well, I've talked to a lot of Democrats, very, very senior Democrats, if you know what I mean, that uh, are going to be talking to the powers that be at the White House.
11: And, and, and John, breaking news, I talked to the CEO of a leading utility in the Northeast who said, uh, well, you're completely correct with your brilliant forecast of peak oil. Uh, we're still about 5 to 10% under reserve, so unless... Uh, Cuomo Hochul and the New England governors approve approve, uh, the pipelines for energy, uh, potentially scores to hundreds to maybe even a thousand people freeze to death in New England because there's no energy reserves of heating oil, natural gas, and understandably the nuclear and coal plants are being decommissioned. So we're in an energy crisis, even with peak oil, uh, the the demand is going up 30% this decade and the supply is only going up. Twenty percent, and the government is is putting people's uh, lives and livelihoods, uh, and and the judges could point uh, their financial foundation and and their safety and security at, at risk uh, through ineptitude, inertia, and hopefully no longer any more incompetence. And. Uh-
5: So, John, if we get more oil, say we start producing, explain to the American people. Like, I mean, well,
0: according to the memo I wrote to some of the powers that be in the Democratic Party, is that the fact? And it was written, uh, help written by another friend of mine. I'm not going to discuss it right now. You know our Canadian friends,
8: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. and uh, the fact is that right now, uh, the. uh, our government, we, we at the height, before COVID, we hit 13 million barrels a day in the United States. We burn 19 or 20 million barrels a day in the United States. Canada right now is supplying us 4.6 million barrels a day. They will give us tomorrow morning an additional 400,000 barrels a day to bring it up to five. So five plus 15, we're going to be self-sufficient in North America. And when the pipeline in the West Coast opens up, uh, in next in 2023, they can give us an additional 600 thousand barrels a day. What about and Mexico? that's not even counting Alaska. What, what do we get from not Mexico? even uh, not counting Mexico, not counting Alaska? A, why there there was a war going on with North America uh, out of uh, Washington? I don't know. I don't want to know because the implications are dangerous. But North America. It's a, a, I said to a lot of my Democratic friends, enough is enough. We're not Democrats. We're not Republicans. We're Americans. And enough is enough, guys. We're all Americans. We better make sure America goes in the right direction. That's all.
5: John, you're a successful guy. This doesn't affect you yet. Why Your heart, your passion is so into it. Why is that? Why do you care so much? Because I
0: love America. You know, we, all our veterans, all our soldiers died in World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam. Friends of mine in Vietnam. Why did we die? There, there, there's a war going on, and I just sent this to Attorney General Paxton. And uh, re- read it. Um, it was a, it was a tweet that I sent before, and we reminded him. What did I send? you? Read it. You're better at okay. reading. The art, the art sir, of sir. war. 2,000 years You old. said
5: America under attack, Sun Tzu, the supreme art of war, is to subdue the enemy without fighting, i.e. defeat the enemy without them even knowing it. It's happening.
0: It's scary. John, it it is
9: happening.
11: Commons, John, unless your common sense commercial energy plans put into place, the agriculture inflation will literally cause people to starve to death who can't afford food. So what you're saying is essential for the safety and security of the country and the world.
0: Well, Bert Flickinger, thank you for briefing all the consumers and all the American people. And, and I bought a lot of Oreo cookies, so I don't have to pay the higher price.
11: Well, John, to your point, everybody should buy as much as he or she can. uh going into the 4th of July because uh, food prices will be up another 12 to 20 percent between 4th of July and the year today.
5: Wow. Well, as long as it lasts till October when they start to come down. I just saw a jar of peanut butter in the kitchen for $13. It's... Oh, my
0: God.
11: Uh, Avian flu is affecting the chicken and the turkey population and uh, uh, fruit, fruit, and fruit and vegetables are re- record low uh, production and, and record, right. record low inventory. Thank
5: you so much, Bert Flickinger. And we got to take a break. Coming up, we'll be speaking with Hannah Myers, the director of policing, pol- policing. Excuse me, and public safety at the Manhattan Institute. We're going to talk to her about the mass exodus at the uh, district attorney offices here in New York City. Keep it right here. Cats and night. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore.
1: This is Cats at Night with John And You're a classic example of the people who built this country. On 77 WABC.
5: Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us right now, we have Hannah Myers. She is the Director of Policing and Public Safety at the Manhattan Institute. Her writing has appeared in numerous publications from the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, It goes on and on. Welcome to Cats at Night, Hannah Myers. Thank you so much for having me.
8: Uh, Hannah, it's uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. I read your article. It was very troubling indeed because most people don't know how important the line assistant district attorneys are in getting the job done for protecting the public. Could you explain this, please?
3: Absolutely. And and one of the things that's so troubling is how many are leaving in, in droves. And it's been a few years now, but especially this year, we're seeing in Manhattan, 12 percent of the staff at the Manhattan D.A.'s office has left. That's 65 line prosecutors. Those are the people who represent you and me when we are the victims of a crime, if you're mother is walking down the street and gets punched and someone takes her wedding ring. These are the people who you need to, to represent her, you know, in order to get justice. And it's not only that prosecutors are leaving, it's the experienced prosecutors who have the know-how in order to um, try difficult cases like shootings and, and cases that involve violence. And it's becoming harder and harder for DA's offices to bring in um, any kind of prosecutor with experience. And so we're seeing more and more workload falling, falling on those who are left, who as well have to be training the, the, the young blood who are coming in. And, and it's really a crisis. And so much of it, our policies that make it yeah. so impossible to, to see justice served. Um, you know, people become a prosecutor, not because they're gonna get rich and, and not for any kind of notoriety usually, but just because they find it gratifying to represent the people in court against against criminals. And um, policies are making it such that it's really impossible for them to see cases through and to see justice done. And it becomes incredibly ungratifying and demoralizing job.
8: And this
6: is Craig Eaton. My, my son and his wife were prosecutors for eight years and they just uh-huh. left about six months ago. And And it's the same problem. Everyone in their trial bureau in their trial bureaus has gone. And I think yes. it has a lot to do with the discovery reform. Now you have to open open yes. file discovery. They're working 24 hours a day. Um, they're not no one's prosecuting anything anymore with the bail reform. Everyone in the office, they're just getting so frustrated with the system. And I don't know what we're going to do because all of the experience is gone. You're and what is the young catalyst yeah, behind
5: all of this extra work and paperwork, Craigie? The discovery,
6: and- what happened is they came up with a new law that you have to this open file discovery. The prosecutor has to disclose everything. To the defense attorney, they have to give the names, phone number and so contact from the bail reform. No, no. Discovery reform. It was part of, oh, well, was part to, of that part package yeah. of legislation. Yeah. But they have right. to give the names, address and phone numbers of the victim and all the witnesses. So now, so so now who, who, wants, who wants to go forward and testify? Who wants to go forward as a victim right. or a witness to a crime when now they're afraid that the defendant um, can come after them? They know where they live. They know where they work. You know, and the shocking... uh, in addition
3: to mm, oh, I'm sorry. It's no, here. Hannah Myers. Go ahead. Uh, well, the, the burden of discovery reform, which passed just like two and a half years ago, is so before the prosecutor only had to make sure that the defendant, you know, and his attorney had whatever exculpatory evidence, whatever witness statements, whatever the meat was that they were going to use in their arguments and trial. And discovery reform changed that so that, first of all, prosecutors had to hand over all material in at first 15 days, now it's more like 25 days that they have, but it's a very short turnaround. Otherwise the case gets dismissed. And not only is it all witness uh, details about their lives that is endangering and, and really prevents witnesses from coming forward, but it's every memo book that any police officer who walked by the scene, you know, if there's a brawl and the seventh police officer walks up to that brawl and asks someone, did you see anything? And they say, I didn't see anything. And they decide to write that witness statement down. If the prosecutor doesn't get their hands on that memo book and hand it over to the defense attorney in those 20 days, the whole case gets thrown out. It doesn't matter how irrelevant every piece of body worn, you know, body camera footage, every piece of surveillance footage. Now, if there's an expert going to testify, you need the last 10, years, a list of all their publications and tests they've taken in the last 10 years. You need to redact everything that needs to get redacted. It's an incredible and unbelievable burden. And that's why we see it. And I do think discovery reform is the number one thing, sure prosecutors out because of how impossible it is. But now we're down to only about 21 percent of cases, that's felonies and misdemeanors in New York City, are the prosecutors even able to file a certificate of compliance on the discovery material in enough time for the case to go forward. And and so we've and imagine if that was your job, you know, and you knew that no matter you stay up all night working, you're only going to get 20 percent. And in New Manhattan, that's 15 percent of these cases are they're actually getting Able to comply in time. And that and the means those
8: cases 100%. are dismissed. Those other cases are dismissed. That's
5: why we had that mm-hmm. kid that shot the cop and it got thrown out and all that. Yeah. The kid that shot the other mm-hmm. one, that's why we're, this is happening. You see,
8: happening. The, tragedy, the tragedy of it is, is that the people who wrote this law up in Albany didn't speak to the people who do the They're job. doing the work. They didn't speak to the judges. They didn't speak to the cops. They didn't speak to the prosecutors. They just made this stuff up. And a whole cloth, they put this burden on the system, and then they're surprised that the system is unraveling.
4: But because we're losing these seasoned prosecutors, it's a generational issue. The seasoned guys could tell you, this is what we normally do if someone mugs, they get a year in jail, we push for this. The new guys are being told, let them out. Bragg's telling them, that's it, let
5: let them out. Hannah Myers, we're running out of time. Any last thing you want to tell uh, New Yorkers, the American people?
3: Um, It really is a matter of if we don't change these policies, we're not going to have people who are going to represent us in court against criminals. Um, And so many of these policies, people are not recognizing that, as with discovery, uh, you know, the the number of cases getting dismissed went from 41 percent two years ago. Now, 70 percent of felonies and misdemeanors in New York are getting dismissed. And the criminals are on the street.
0: And the criminals, the criminals are on, are the, are street. on the street.
3: Yeah. yeah, and even the local local DAs, their, their policies are making a big difference in how disgruntled, it, it really is statewide policies as well. It's hugely important.
0: Well, thank you for coming on, and thank you all, guys. Uh, Judge Weinberg, Craig Eaton, uh, Tony Carbonetti, Lydia Serrani. What do, what do we stand for here? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the, the American way. way.